adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! And welcome to Red to This Way. I'm your host, Paolo Mangoni. Uh, this week, uh, it's because Michael D'Angelo was lying last week. He's the one that wants to get drunk. Welcome, Michael D'Angelo, to the podcast. <laughs> I, I, it's because I wanted to do what? You wanted to get drunk. You <laughs> okay. lied. You, you said, I want to get drunk. It was your lie. <laughs> hey, listen, who doesn't? <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good call. In this economy? <laughs> On that note, welcome to Julian Paju Dangel. How's everybody doing? And Mr. Chris Maselli, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Uh, quick question, Paulo. Do you work out to that song? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> see Paulo Bench pressing for this song. Those would be fast raps. Can we talk about how uh, it, it sounds like, you know, in like, um, I feel like on Rye, this happens a lot. Like there's, there's some game show, whatever. And the guy has a very, like a very anglicized Italian accent. And that's exactly what this Rocky, what's his name, Paula Rocky Roberts. Correct. That's exactly what he sounds like. He like anglicizes everything he says. So he says like, Sacera mi buto. <laughs> <laughs> and same thing well, listen, on like one of the, on one of those ride things, they like, it's like they count the points. It's like, Quattro centi punti. Balanda con la stella. Yes, 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 yes. They, they do bastards. that on purpose, though. <laughs> yeah, because they're f- fucking clucks. Yeah, but like when we go there, that's exactly what we sound like. That's true. So it's to make fun of us. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay, so uh, on that uh, tangent, let's get back to uh, our topic. So Syria, Syria week 23. Uh, it started off on the Friday. Uh, the first game was uh, Fiorentina Spezia. Fiorentina won three nothing with goals from Vlaovic, Castrovilli, and Eseric. So it was Fiorentina's first win in their last four Syria game for Syria games, uh, and Spezia picked up their first loss after two straight wins. Uh, so the next game on the Saturday, very important game actually, very rele- a relegation six pointer. Uh, Galeri lost one nothing to Torino uh, from due to a goal from Bremer in the 76th minute. Uh, so it was Torino's first win since January 3rd, first win in seven games, and first win for Davide Nicola as Torino manager. So it's the third straight loss for Galeri, uh, and the third straight goalless game for Galeri. Uh, Galeri's winless streak goes up to 16 games, and it cost Eusebio Di Francesco's job on Monday. Hold on, wait, 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 I have, yeah. I, I have something, wait. <laughs> Go ahead, there you go, that's a sac- sack race alert. Uh, Di Francesco got sacked on Monday, and he was replaced by former spa manager Leonardo Semplici. Uh, also, I forgot to mention that uh, the next games for Fiorentina are against Undinese and uh, Parmas Bay play Spezia. And the next games for Cagliari and Torino are against, uh, so it's Crotone, Cagliari, and Torino, Sassuolo. Uh, Paul, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just going to jump yeah. in. 
uh, before yeah. we move on, whoever, what I, I, I think it was just a matter of time before EDF got the sack. What I will add is whoever signed off on giving him that extension should be getting sacked with him. And I'll leave it at that. But so that's Idi- idiots. Like, but that's it. Like, what was the point of it? I understand if it's, again, he's saying, oh, well, I'm not performing because I don't have the confidence of my club or whatever. But like, again, that's just, it's such a strange turn of events like to to re-up him and then just literally it, weeks later ah. well, I, I saw <laughs> he's losing and they double down exactly yeah. they're like we can't we can't lose if we double down <laughs> it's like the it's opposite like, uh like you know like, like on the simpsons i'll take another simpsons reference when he's like uh when homer gets you know 21 he's a kidney it's exactly what it is <laughs> I mean, he, EDF's not complaining because he's got three years with a salary for money exactly. coming in, right? So, anyway, it must be nice to sit on your ass for three years and get paid for it. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Lazio beat uh, Sampdoria one nothing due to a goal from Luis Alberto. So that's actually Lazio's six. Uh, Lazio won six straight home games. Uh, they also only lost twice in the last 10 Serie A games, and those losses came from Milan and Inter. Jeez. So is it, <laughs> Sampdoria have won four of the last nine Serie A games, so one draw, four losses. Uh, and those losses came from Roma, Spezia, Juventus, and Lazio, so not too bad. Anyway, I wanted to touch upon, uh, we don't want to go in uh, too in-depth on this, but I just wanted to touch upon a controversial interest incident uh, in the 83rd minute, when Musaku challenged Quagrell in the box, uh, there was no PK. Uh, I know me and Chris were discussing this, and I sent them uh, some video evidence and some pictures, and it was a clear PK. Regardless of what Inzaghi and Ranieri said, I know Ranieri said there wasn't a PK, but I think that was just, you know, um, play acting, because uh, he didn't want to get in trouble and get fined for complaining to the ref. Also, it, it helps when, you know, you don't complain to the refs, sometimes calls will go your way, right? Right, Chris? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of looking to the future. I, I, the pictures you sent me, like they're, it's like typical, like it looks like Rai quality. Like it's very foggy. Like you can't really tell if there's contact or not. So I can't, I can't agree or disagree with you based on those pictures. And I haven't seen a slowed down version of the video. I've only seen it in live, in live time. And in live time, again, I, I can't make, you know, a, a good decision on whether it was the right call or not. So I'll, uh, for once, Paulo, I'll just kind of go with, uh, go with your word. <laughs> uh, anyways, anyway, they deserved more. They were pressing all game, uh, especially in the second half and, and nearly, again, nearly came to, uh, to equalizer as well. Um, so next games, uh, for each team is Bologna Lazio and Sampdoria Atalanta. Okay. So next game on that Saturday, so it was uh, 2-2 in between Genoa and Hellas Verona. Shomorodov, Badeli scored uh, both goals for Genoa. And then it was Ilich and Faroni for uh, Verona. So it was two straight draws for Genoa. Uh, the second straight useful result for Hellas. Uh, and then, uh, Michael, I believe our goal of the weekend is from that game. It is? Yes, it is. <laughs> Ball swung in. Vieira now. The shot comes in. It's brilliant from Bardell. The equalizer. Genoa level. 
with a great strike from Milan Abado. And the Croatian had a thunderous strike from distance that Silvestri was unable to stop. Just to kind of go over what happened is the ball comes in in a corner, comes out to him, uh, Milan Badel on the uh, outside of the box, and he kind of uh, it's like a half volley, I guess, that is uh, just powerful shot from outside the box and just goes bottom left corner. So I know Julian, you nominated this goal, and it was more due to uh, the circumstances, correct? Yeah, like it's a, I mean, it's a huge goal for Genoa. They're able to secure the draw with that goal. 94th minute, it was one of the last kicks of the game. Um, and yeah, he, I mean, he got all of it when he hit it. Very nice. Very nice strike. Uh, for the record, I got outvoted. I, I kind of preferred Zelensky's volley. But we'll, 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 we'll move on. All right, so uh, <laughs> next games for both clubs, it's Hellas uh, versus Juventus and Inter Genoa. All right, so this is our next game is the first in-depth game uh, that we'll go into. It's uh, Sassuolo uh, tying Bologna 1-1. Uh, goals from Caputo and Soriano. So this was an Emilia Romagna derby. So the game um, opened up between actually it was a comedy of errors. Uh, Manganelli and Marlon uh, combined to give a, give the ball away to Barrow, who played in Soriano to slot at home. Uh, so Hickey was to be sent off by VAR after his challenge caught uh, Mert Muldur on the ankle after 30 minutes. Uh, Caputo pounced on a deflection in the second half to tie the game for uh, for Sassuolo, and for the rest of the game, uh, Sassuolo looked for the winter uh, for the winner, uh, excuse me. And uh, Bologna keeper Skorupski, after uh, picking up our "You Can't Do That" award last week, actually made up for it with multiple uh, great saves uh, to secure the point for his team. So, Chris, I know uh, you were watching the game as well with me, uh, mm-hmm. and so um, both coaches said that uh, the challenge from Hickey was not a red card. Do you agree? No, I completely disagree. That was, in in lifetime, I said red card, and then, of course, VAR reviewed it and gave him a red card. And uh, I didn't think Hickey even really argued too much. I mean, he kind of put his hands in the air because he doesn't want to concede that he was, you know, in the wrong the whole time. But it's it's a red card. Um, yeah, I, I don't see how <laughs> anybody can can argue otherwise, to be completely honest. It, it's It's studs right to the shin. Uh, I mean, he could have broke a bone if if he was going in a bit stronger, but yeah, straight red card, right call. And, you know, Bologna was playing decently before that. um, And of course it changed the the outcome of the game. Okay. So uh, on that point, that'll be my next question, but I just want to ask you firsthand. I mean, does it matter that the red card ruined the game? Because I know that was uh, Deserby's excuse as well. I don't know about ruined the game, but it, it changes the way the game was going to be played tactically. Obviously, now down a man, uh, Mihailovic has to change everything around, and Sassuolo's now has you know extra space in the pitch they weren't expecting. But uh, yeah, especially when you're playing down a man for I think it was like 65 minutes from when Hickey. Minutes. Yeah, so that, that's a long time to play down a man and just stay focused defensively. So I don't think it's an excuse for Dezerbi per se, but. Um, Hickey is 18 or 19 years old, so he'll learn from that. And, you know, hopefully not too many more reds for him in his career. Okay, so again, like you said, just before you mentioned Bologna weren't playing too badly. So uh, with this result, they're actually undefeated in three games. So do you think, uh, this is a question for everyone, uh, do you think Bologna is returning to form? 
I'll go Chris and then uh, Michael Julian. It looks that way. I think you're, he's starting to get more of those talented young players that we spoke about I think, two weeks ago when we had Nima on, uh, whether it's, you know, Orsolini or Scott Olsen, I think, play. Uh, no, I don't know if he played last week. But um, anyways, getting more out of those talented young players. I think Sodiano scored. Uh, was it last week he scored or was it in this? Yeah, last week I think he scored. He scored in this game. This week and this, it was this well. game. Yeah, so yeah. Um, they're trending in the right direction. Um, obviously, as we know, they had that. Uh, almost new European record for games conceded. So they've obviously gotten away from that and it's looking a bit better right now. Michael? Yeah, it's always nice to go after Chris because he kind of nails everything right away. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, again, you got to look at just considering where they were before, I guess. Like, the the their last couple of losses were against Milan and Juve. So, I mean, those ones are kind of like, you know, do what you can. But then again, they come away with a win against Parma, and then they at least tie Benevento and Sassuolo. You'd, you'd want to take those points against Benevento, but um, I mean, just considering how strong a season Benevento themselves are, are kind of putting together as well, it's not um, you know it's not the worst result. Uh, I think again that the, the fact that before that I think they had one win, uh, well, I guess now two wins with uh, that Bologna game or with that, sorry, Parma game as well in their last, like, whatever it was. I think it was like 10 or something games. It's it's promising, at least. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say besides that. Julian? Yeah, I mean, they're they're in a bit of an odd spot. Like, they'll beat the drop. I don't think that, that that's kind of a question. Um, in terms of turning a corner... They seem to have turned a corner, but I still think they'll finish bottom half of the table. I don't think overall they're they have the squad kind of to compete beyond that right now. Um, maybe as Chris said, once their younger guys kind of get a little bit more experience, once assuming they don't sell them off, get a little better. But right now, I think um, they're almost at kind of what they can do. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about how you know Genoa and Bologna, both of them were were kind of we wouldn't. I mean, we were look talking about them in relegation, real trouble, right? Now there, there's a it's almost like a traffic jam from 11th until like 16th. So they're they're right where we would expect them to be. Um, I think that it's uh, it's going to be important for them, obviously, to kind of take more points away where they they need to obviously take those points because like again, if they get closer to that and they end up losing to the other teams that we don't expect to be closer to the bottom, like, you know, if Parma ever find their swords, right, they might want to claw back. And, you know, it's just luckily Bologna have already played them, right? But uh, those are teams, again, that, that can kind of trap them and, and push them back down. All right. Uh, that's a good point there, Michael. Um, okay. So just uh, because uh, Caputo played in this game as well, um, just a quick question. Uh, go again, round table. This time we'll start Julian, Michael, Chris. Uh, Caputo, Destro, or Grifo? Discuss your choice, Julian. Um, I still like Caputo. I've always kind of had a soft spot for him. I think he's proven he can score in Serie A, whereas, I mean, he's only played a couple years there, right? He's, I mean, he came through with Empoli, I think, when they got promoted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but, I mean, Destro's been in Serie A how many years now? And what, he's had his one season with Siena where he scored 12 and everybody wanted him. <laughs> but I think beyond that, he hasn't really done much. Um, and Grifo, to be honest, I don't watch Grifo enough. So I can't really comment on that. But I don't think he 
deserves it over either of them. Michael? Yeah, there's only one right answer here, and it's a phenomenal uh, Destro here, <laughs> obviously. Um, I think, uh, again, not to be – I mean, I I think I'm, I just like the chaos here, so that's probably <laughs> my, my, my suggestion I is Destro. I, I think – I think you just like the storyline of, of Destro coming back. Yeah, well, I mean, yes and no. Like, he just, again, he was never, just like to Julian's point, right? Like, he, he had that one great, good season. Not even great season, right? He had one good season. Everyone wanted him, and then he just kind of never amounted to much, right? So it's nice that this year he's got nine goals. We'll see where he ends up at the end of the, at the, end of the season, right? Which is hopefully If he can hit, like, 12, 14, right? 15, yeah. yeah, I think that'd be a very good season for him. Yeah, and again, we'll see what we'll see what form he's at then, and make a decision then. Because again, if it's uh, it, Caputo, we know you know what you you get with Caputo. Grifo, uh, again, I don't I don't watch much Grifo. Same as Julian. Uh, we don't watch the yeah. Bundesliga. Chris might. <laughs> yes, exactly. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, so I have seen uh, probably three or four Freiburg games. Uh, with with Grifo involved, and so th- to answer the question, I would say Caputo. But if I'm ranking them, it would actually for me it'd be Caputo, Grifo, and then Destro, uh, mainly because Grifo can do more than one thing, and, and by thing I mean he can play more than one position. Caputo's, you know, just not just, but he's a traditional, you know, center forward, number nine. Same with Destro, and not more than that. Uh, Grifo can play as a winger. He could play as an attacking midfielder, or he could play as a striker. So if I'm thinking, you know, as if I'm putting my coach hat on and I have to pick that 23rd guy um, who's realistically not going to see much of the field, I would rather take somebody who can kind of be my Swiss Army knife. So that's kind of my thinking behind it. But I I still do rate Caputo ahead of the other two. All right. So just for uh, uh, stats as well, uh, Caputo has 10 goals this season, uh, Destro 9, and then Grifo has 7 in the Bundesliga. Um, okay, so just to wrap it up, uh, the next games for both of these clubs, uh, Bologna versus Lazio and Torino Sassuolo. Okay, next game. All right, so the next game uh, was the uh, 6.30 game, our time, Eastern Standard Time, uh, Parma Udinese. I think, Julian, you got this one. Yeah, so um, surprisingly, Parma actually scored quite early on. Cornelius, I think he scored his first goal of the season, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was his first. So they scored three minutes in, um, and then they actually won a PK later on in the first half. Um, and Parma, 2 nothing lead going into halftime. Like, this is a must-win game for them, especially where they are. Um, unfortunately, whoever they blew it. Oh, <laughs> comes on in the 63rd and then he scored sorry 60th and he scored in the 63rd 64th um and then Udinese actually did score in the 75th but the ball was ruled that it had just just gone out of bounds um but they still stuck with it and ended up scoring the equalizer in the 80th minute um so Parma will probably look on this game with a little bit of regret two nothing lead at halftime to I mean they still came away with one point but difficult when he could have had all three um and for Udinese I mean good for them to claw claw back into this one because that would have been a difficult loss for them as well yeah so uh to your point Julian I just got some quick stats here uh Parma's this is Parma's first useful result in three Serie A games uh and then actually so to your point there about uh with a little bit of regret um they are winless since November 30th 
Yeah, and that's, then, yeah, that's uh, a long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then Udinese only have one loss in the last six Serie A games. So that's impressive for Udinese, actually, and, and their bid to stay above the relegation battle. Um, so, that, okay, the next games, uh, well, any anyone want to discuss before I uh, move on? Good. I just want to quickly say, like, I know we touched on Prama early on this year, so they were kind of, they were going to struggle to score goals. They had Jovino, they had Caramo. Um, but, I mean, Cornelius is supposed to be their main number nine, and he scored his first goal this season. Like, that's not very good. Well, I think again, that's where Xerxes yeah. will probably slowly, slowly get played in. I mean, there's they could pay up to 15 million euros for him, so I'm sure they've got confidence that he can be that guy for them. But yeah, I agree. Uh, one goal at this point in the season for a striker is, is not good enough. No. I, I still think it was a mistake. I think we all agree that it was a mistake to uh, sack Dervesa and then bring in Livrani, especially when the fact that there was three weeks in between both seasons, something like that, three or four weeks. Uh, I think it just destroyed the flow that uh, they developed, especially, you know, they finished 13th last year or, so, or you know, upper mid, upper lower table. And and they were scoring a lot of goals last season as well. So they that's what happens when a new owner comes in, thinks they know better uh, and wanted to uh, change things up. And now they're paying the price and it looks like they – could easily be relegated this season, so it's disappointing. I think the the you know Kyle Kraus uh, realizes his mistake, and uh, we'll see if uh, you know he can he can get bailed out because uh, again it's his first season, and imagine getting relegated in your first season after you bought a club and they've been what how many how many seasons straight since they came up before? This Four? is what the third not third many of, yeah third or fourth yeah third or fourth yeah. But they did what they they did they do excuse me they came up from Syria D to Syria and the first time ever that an Italian club have done that mm-hmm. so that's just, it's just an important fact that uh, you know you don't assume that you know better just because you come in uh, and and you think you can change up the place and bring your own ideas but anyway, that's just my thought okay so the next uh, the next games for both of these clubs uh, Udinese play Fiorentina at home. And Spezia play Parma, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so, okay. Now we come to the biggest game of the weekend. Sorry, guys. Uh, I got to go. Ch- yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 I purposely chose uh, Mr. Chris Baselli, the resident Milan fan, to uh, go in-depth on this game uh, for obvious reasons because he's been busting our balls uh, all season about how good Milan are. Chris. <laughs> Um, uh, where do I start? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, I I said last week, right? Uh, I would be happy with a draw, but I was expecting a loss, so I can't sit here, you know, uh, here on Monday evening, and and say that I'm surprised. Um, it's obviously disappointing that we lost the way we did. I, obviously, I would have preferred a much more competitive match, a bit more, I don't want to say effort, but I think what it comes back to, and before the game, I was talking about a Tomori-Romagnoli partnership. Um, I'm not on the, you know, sell Romagnoli bandwagon, like a lot of Milan Twitter is, but (laughs) I am on the Chiaire-Tomori partnership bandwagon. I think, a few things need to change with Milan and Romagnoli got exposed 
by Inter. Now, to defend Romagnoli, and I, I don't want to spend too much time doing this because he doesn't deserve it, but most center backs do look foolish against Lukaku. I think everybody needs to remember that. Like, nobody's going to go up against Lukaku and have the game of their life. Uh, he's he's too talented. He's obviously physically gifted, but he's got much more than that in his toolbox, as we saw with that with that nice cross. So uh, Romagnoli got exposed. Um, I think Pioli needs to change something there, and he needs to change something else, whether it's with the shape or with personnel. I can go on and on, but yeah, Milan they they got slapped. They they lost, like I predicted. All that being said, though, um, I think after games like this where we got you know dominated the way we did everybody's overreacting at the end of the day we are only four points back and i realize we're in europe inter isn't but four points this point in the season with 16 games left or 17 games left whatever it is um is a is a there's a lot of football left to be played so i don't think anybody needs to hit the panic button yet don't you know sack pioli don't do anything ridiculous but yeah, Milan got what they deserved. Credit all credit to, to Inter. Conte had a full week to prepare, and he he took advantage of it. I mean, it was it was uh, a tactical masterclass from from him. All right, Julian, the Inter perspective. Um, I mean, it was a fantastic start. Um, and I actually will kind of defend Romagnoli a little bit on that first goal. Yes, he got torched. Kara uh, made a great play to kind of recover and keep that play alive um and then Lotaro was just completely lost between Chiara and I think it was Calabria at the back post now Romagnoli also should have pressured Lukaku nobody pressured him um but I was a little bit worried though Milan did start to come on I think they actually were the better team from like the 30th minute till about the 55th or so um kind of when Inter scored their second goal um and I mean Handanovic Fuck, for once a season, he actually saved Inter. Um, if one of those, if Eber scores on that header, that's a completely different game. Um, so, I will say after Inter scored the second goal, that kind of defeated Milan. You could see after that, there was no kind of coming back. Um, but, yeah, I think it was still a good win from Inter. They were the better team overall. Um and I would like to mention that second goal. I would have also nominated for goal of the week because that was just the pure Conte ball team goal started with Hendanovic. But, yeah, good win. Four-point lead now. So, Winter also has a game to fuck up if they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael, the Juventus perspective. Well, <laughs> well I have uh, one main point here. So, Chris, Chris mentioned that, you know, he's not sure how many – um, center backs wouldn't get torched by Lukaku. Um, I just think that there's uh, there's definitely one that didn't get torched by Lukaku this year because I don't see a goal for Lukaku against Juventus, and I I, I think that that means that Bonucci Bonucci is the one who can hold from <laughs> Lukaku apparently. Um, um, I, uh, I, I, I sorry, I gotta <laughs> jump in there. Um, we did get absolutely. Like destroyed against Inter two nothing in that in the first game of the season against Inter. Yes, yes, but Vidal and Barella scored. <laughs> still, still, uh, that doesn't mean like, Lukaku was like ineffective that game. Uh, uh, the game that you should be pointing to is that's semantics. <laughs> the game you should be pointing to is the Copa Italia games where both the Ligt and Demiral. Uh, well, like, those games though, B- Lukaku only played one of them. And Still, I guess matter. it was, yeah, I guess it, ended it was with, the zero, uh, zero game. Zero, zero, right? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, in so any it's, case. It's not Panucci, um, it's the, the Lichtendemmer, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll gracefully accept that because that's what <laughs> I would prefer anyways. But yeah. um, I think, again, just uh, what we need to take from this is uh, Milan Merda fucking <laughs> finally. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, eat, they're eating dirt like we all want them to. Um, now, again, now it's just, and I think Chris can agree with this, that now it's just Inter's turn to eat dirt. So <laughs> let's, let's see who's next. Again, they'll, they'll probably, listen, don't, don't confuse yourselves and think that this was not Inter's Scudetto to lose because a hundred percent it is. As soon as they were out of, out of the, out of Europe or, and even out of, you know, Coppa Italia, which was just happened, this was always going to be their season. <laughs> to lose and if they didn't win that's uh it's like you would never hear the end of it and they should just be fired into this into the sun so at this point again they have that four point lead on milan they can they could screw it up if they lose more than one game obviously um and milan wins it and if juve win their game in hand that's five points for them so i'll take that five points over the seven points that uh milan had for the first half of the season and knowing inter we all know inter i mean I'm I'm talking probably Guarin Inter, which is banter <laughs> banter. Era. Uh, we know that there's yeah. there's a massive drop off in uh, the second half of the season, but we'll see what happens there. Obviously, again, there is no denying, and I don't think I think even Julian, who is always going to want to put the reverse jinx on everybody, it's is a hundred percent interest to lose, and if they lose it, good God, <laughs> this is going to be to levels of Bayer Leverkusen having the trip the the treble of second places or treble of losing this is the same thing okay Julian, not better <laughs> Julian, before you respond i just want to point out the next uh three games for inter it's genoa uh parma atalanta so in 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 theory uh the atalanta game is the game most likely that inter could lose go ahead Julian. yeah um no and honestly i like i do agree with you this is at this point in the season right now, this is theirs to lose. Um, I still, going into the season, it was Juventus's to lose. They're still the much deeper team, in my opinion. Um, but with one game a week, maybe you have a midweek Serie A game. There's no way Inter... I agree. I think it's theirs to lose, barring any serious injury, of course. Um, so on that, I do agree. But I don't know if that drop-off is going to come, to be honest with you. I think it's already kind of passed. You already went a couple games without Lataro and Lukaku scoring. Um, and touching on that, actually, they are 11 goals away combined from breaking the Serie A record for combined goals with a striker. So I think they're uh, also going to look pretty good doing that. Yeah. Okay. So I think, yeah, I mean, the, the only thing... I'll... I, the only thing I want to say first before we move on is, again, I, I think Julian's right. Like, there's they've, they've already kind of got past those big hurdles that they're going to need to get past. Like, again, having one game a week is massive. They're, they're, the only way that they screw this up is if, again, they, they lose to, like, a Parma or they lose to a Torino or something or they lose to Sassuolo, which is in five weeks, right? They're, that's possible. And that's not... That's not going to be unheard of with Inter, and I know that their fans are until the end going to be swearing against Conte if he, you know, if he drops a single point <laughs> in the next uh, whatever two months, three months of the season. Um, but again, at the end of the day, if he wins you the Scudetto, like at least he, at least you guys have that. I mean, it's it's a trophy in 
a decade, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, so Michael, no, and I agree. I think if they win, he does deserve another chance. Slash with Inter's financial issues, I'm sure he'll get another chance because they won't be able to bring in anybody else. Um, but hey, we'll see. There's still a lot of soccer to be played. Or he could do like Costanza and leave on a high note. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Uh, Michael, so to your point, actually, the game against Parma is in midweek. There you go. So I think it's March the 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the 4th. 4th. There you go. Um, okay, so uh, we were talking about Romagnoli. So, and the reason why I, want, I bring this up again is because Roberto Mancini was in the stands for this game, if I believe, I believe, I was, I believe I'm correct. So most likely he was looking at Bastoni as well. So let's go, um, Michael, because you're the neutral fan in this debate. Bastoni or Romagnoli? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd probably choose uh, Bastoni. I go. think he's, uh, yeah, that's that's my choice, Bastoni. I I would choose Bastoni as well because he just seems to be more competent than uh, Romagnoli. Okay, so we'll go Milan fan just to rub it in. Chris, go ahead. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, yeah, I think six or eight weeks ago, you know what my answer was, but I, I would have to turn on our captain and, and say Bastoni based on recent performances anyways. Julian? I mean, I don't really think you need to ask. Obviously, I'd <laughs> Bastoni any day of the week. So, uh, I don't know if you guys recall when we did the um, teams. Remember, we did the Inter the International break with Sabrina. We did. Uh, we picked our teams, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, and you're all laughing at me that I chose yes, uh, yes, Bastoni. Yes. So look who's laughing now. Hey, I had Bastoni as well. Yeah. well. Someone, someone was laughing at me. I think it was Chris. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> okay. So before we just move on, uh, the next games for both clubs here: uh, Roma play Milan at the Olimpico, and as I said earlier, Inter play Genoa. Okay, Michael. Uh, Atalanta faced uh, Napoli, and I chose you for this game because you predicted Napoli would win. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm old, I, I'm pro chaos here, and they would have won if it wasn't for those meddling those meddling uh, goals. <laughs> <laughs> so in the first half, uh, the the curse of Padu looks like it's uh, Papu, I guess, but. Now it's the curse of Paju. Julian um, seems to have uh, carried on, and uh, Gasparini gets sent off. I think like twenty five minutes in because he's complaining that uh, they should have a should have had a penalty. Um, it it kind of just looks more like Piscina falls awkwardly in the box. I'm not sure, Paulo. Do you remember if there was like much contact there? I think it kind of just was a combination of I don't know. I didn't just I didn't slick really feet. see much. I didn't really see yeah. much, to be honest with you. And it, it's just, it looks more like just an awkward fall. In any case, Gasparini thinks it's a penalty. He's complaining. He, he gets sent off. Um, so, uh, again, Julian wins that, that battle with Gasparini. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, then after that, after he gets sent off, it, it seems like Atlanta find their form. Second half, Zapata scores in the 52nd. Um, but uh, Napoli tie in the 58th to, uh, with Zielinski. But then uh, Gosin scores in the 64th to make it 2-1. Muriel scores in the 71st to make it 3-1. Gosin scores an own goal in the 75th, uh, 3-2. And then Romero finally uh, ends uh, the scoring with, uh, I think this is like a deflection. And then, and then it gets to him and he heads it in. It's like almost mm-hmm. a double header. 
Um, and uh, yeah, Romero 79th minute makes it 4-2. And that's the final score. Atlanta win. Um, and uh, again, they start to show why. Uh, we'll talk about Europe in a little bit, but uh, we'll start to talk about why they seem to be on the up and up and why they might be contending for a lot more than, uh, than they appear to be leading on with their position in the table. So there you go. So to your point, Michael, Atlanta are undefeated uh, in five games in all competitions since losing to Lazio. And again, remember that week I said, oh, uh, you guys were all like, you know, uh, saying that Atlanta are on the downfall, curse of, uh, of Papu Gomez, et cetera, et cetera. I know, uh, <laughs> David Amwell likes to say the, U- uh, the, the Ewing curse. Uh, and I was, again, I was the only one that calling for calm saying that, you know, don't worry, this is a little blip on the, in, in, in the road. Which is, which is honestly really uh, confusing, confounding, I should say, because typically you're the one who is calling <laughs> for, you know, radical conspiracies, <laughs> all this stuff, radical change, et cetera. So it's, uh, hey, you know what? Credit where credit's due, Paulo. You had a level head there. Fuck that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, and also, that's, it's probably due to the fact that Atlanta scored uh, 11 goals in the last five games in all competition. Um, honestly, I've felt quite bad for, for Napoli. They finished the game with 10 men, uh, not because they got any, anyone sent off. It was because of injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Osi Men uh, suffered a concussion, and he was forced to leave the field on a stretcher. Uh, and they literally had no more first-team players to bring on um, as a replacement. I'm pretty sure Gattuso had a sub to use. Uh, and didn't use it because I guess the game was already done and he didn't want to bring on uh, a youth team player. Uh, and I, I can't come in a worse time for Napoli. One win in the last five games in all competition. And I mean, now we'll talk about Europe, but then you have to go play Granada again, down to nothing. I mean, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on that situation? I mean, they didn't look good in that first leg. So, and I, again, like you said, a lot of first team players missing. They had, you know, five youth team players on the bench, you know, so on and so forth. So their work is cut out for them. It was two home goals that were scored by Granada. So it's not like it's two away goals, which would have been extremely difficult to come back from, but their work is definitely cut out for them. And Michael, you thought Napoli would win. Your thoughts on the Napoli situation? Um, yeah, I mean, again, I was just choosing Napoli to win to be my own contrarian self that I have decided that's what I want to be from now on. Um, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just got to bet on, you know, bet on the underdogs. Uh, and, uh, you know, oftentimes you'll lose. So. <laughs> Julian, your Good way to do it. <laughs> Julian, your thoughts? What's the rules on Gattuso putting on the boots again? Is that any, is that possible? At any I mean, there are time? player managers, so. I think company was a player manager at Andrew. Um, I think so, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's unlucky for Napoli, but I think they're. I think this is going to be a down year for them. Unfortunately, um, I don't see them getting back into top four. Top four may be a stretch. I think uh, fifth is what they're looking at. Remember, they still have that game against uh, Juventus, uh, the game in hand, uh, which I. I guess, it's going to be desperate for, for both clubs in, in their situation. Yeah. Okay, so the next games uh, for both these clubs, it's as I said earlier, it's uh, Sam Atalanta, Napoli, Benevento. All right, so the last game on Sunday, it was Roma-Benevento. It ended in a scoreless draw. 
so this draw against Benevento ends a 26-game win streak versus newly promoted clubs uh, for Roma. Uh, it's Roma's first 0-0 draw since the Swallow on December 6th. So it's Roma a 28-game win streak? 26. 26-game 26 26. win streak against wow. newly promoted clubs. That's impressive, actually. I, I, not impressive in the sense that you're beating on like the kids like it's impressive because they're actually like that's a significant uh streak of games where you're taking all three points against those teams yeah and juventus tied both Cortona and benevento uh, today yeah. this season so there you go uh so again as I said, and, and uh, milan yeah. milan lost to spezia yes <laughs> <laughs> sorry what chris <laughs> <laughs> So three wins, one draw, and one loss in the last five games for, for Roma in all competitions. And Benevento, speaking about Benevento, they are undefeated in their last three games, and they only have one loss, uh, one loss in five Serie A games. Uh, in their last Serie A games. When's their last win, though? That I did not look up. January 6th. Uh, that's against Cagliari. Against Cagliari. Well, I mean, it that's not the, I mean, like, uh, I was asked this question on another podcast, and, you know, if, if I was worried about Benevento going down the drop, and I said no, because they're, they're picking up points against, uh, you know, like, they got big clubs like, uh, like Roma, like Juventus. Uh, they did get blown out against, uh, against Interblast because Inter played purely counterattack soccer, and good on them. They've destroyed them. What was it? 4 1? 5 1? 5 2? What was it? Which game? Benevento. Uh, 5-2, and I mean, one of Benevento's goals was a uh, Handanovic blunder. There you go. Uh, and, but still, they still scored two goals against Indy, so it's good on them. Uh, yeah. And, and they're drawing teams like Sampdoria, so they're still picking up points, uh, so I have no, no problems in saying that uh, Benevento will most likely stay up this season. Uh, okay, so let's, um, let's move on to the Monday game. Uh, just quickly. <laughs> Uh, Juventus won. Juventus finally beat Cortona. It's a yes. great achievement. Exactly. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> uh, Thank so you. Ronaldo scored a double, uh, and then McKinney rounded off the score on the 66th minute. So Juventus break a two-game losing streak in all competitions. Uh, first time since January 10th uh, in the game in the 3-1 win against the Swole that they score more than three goals in a Serie A game. Uh, Fajoli made his first Serie A appearance. And Crotone have conceded 55 goals in Serie A this season, and they've only scored one goal in their last four Serie A games. Rough. Uh, just quick thoughts. Yeah, I could. yeah. Uh, Julian, I I, I kind of want to bring this up uh, just quickly before we go to break. You mentioned the Carmen. I was bringing up. Uh, it was a very interesting topic that you brought up. Yeah, like they brought him in. Um, I think it's just a loan from Verona, but I don't understand why. Like, I think we can all agree DiCarmine is not somebody who's going to save you from the drop. Um, so I just don't see, like, the guy, he's never been that prolific of a goal scorer. Um, I think. And because they brought him in, they've now benched their main striker, Simi, who had 20 goals for them last year in Serie B. So it doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, even this year, Simi has seven goals. Wow. And now you've started playing DiCarmine. Um, I think I checked. He has 300 minutes in the past four games, and they've scored one goal in the past four games. Yeah. I don't know. It just it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I did not. I actually didn't realize that Sydney has seven goals this season. That's pretty impressive. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so was it uh, games? I think I said uh, Crotone are playing uh, Cagliari, and Juventus are playing Hellas Verona. Uh, Chris, uh, you have our Who Am I? I Don't Know for this week, Michael. Who am I? I don't know. All right, so what we're going to do just before we head off to break is this will be the one for all of you listeners. So, again, reminder, uh, once you have a listen to this, uh, message us on Twitter. If you think you know who it is, uh, the first person to get it right can ask us uh, a Seti A-related question that we will discuss on the next episode of the pod. And I'll I'll let Paulo uh, uh, confirm who got the correct answer from last week. But here we go for this week. Uh, So hint number one. This player has been managed by Andrea Mandorlini. Okay, so that was hint number one. Hint number two. With the same club, this player has played in Lega Pro, Serie B, and Serie A. And then hint number three. This attacking midfielder has been called up to the Italian national team, but has not yet been capped. So I'll quickly summarize again. Hint number one. This player has been managed by Andrea Mandorlini. Hint number two. With the same club, he has played in Lega Pro, Serie B, and Serie A. And then hint number three, this attacking midfielder has been called up to the Italian national team, but has not yet been capped. I kind of feel like I want to guess, but I won't uh, say sh- sh- we'll, 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 we'll discuss off there. Yeah. Wait till the break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so on that note, I think we're all good. Uh, we can take a break, yes? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right, so uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Rated This Way is brought to you by Bapu's Cucina Italiana, located in the heart of Manatic, a family-owned and operated Italian restaurant, the perfect spot for a romantic dinner for two or for groups to celebrate special events. For more information, visit babuscucina.ca. Back to Repta this way. Uh, Chris, uh, you believe you have an amendment to one of your hints? Yeah, so hint number two, um, just as a quick refresher, I said before the break uh, that hint number two was uh, this player has played with one club in um, Lega Pro, Serie B, and Serie A. That's incorrect, so a bit of false information there, false advertising. Um, The correct hint is that this player has played with the same club in Serie B and Serie A only, so not not Lega Pro. So same, but club. they have played in Lega Pro. Uh, yes, Correct. but 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 okay. that but this player um, with this one club exclusively has played in Serie B and Serie A with them. So that's just a little okay. amendment to our uh, who am I? I don't know. And that perfect that leads perfectly into um, our winner for announcing our winner from last week. The winner was Nima, a friend of the show, uh, and his topic of discussion, which I truly appreciated, by the way is uh, that we rank uh, Baggio, Tati, and Del Piero. We rank them? I thought, yes, we rank them. Like, who's the best, you know, one, two, three, and we give our own opinion. Who wants to go first? This is a tough one. I'll go first if you want. There you go. There you go. Julian, go ahead. Um, For me, I think it'll go Tati, Baggio, Del Piero. Yeah. Um, I, love I know Mike hate me for that. Um, 
I just think, I mean, Totti, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think you can deny that. I think Totti, we all know, was world-class. Um, I respect him for staying at Roma and actually winning something with Roma. Um, and, I mean, he won the World Cup in 06 as well. And I know Del Piero did, um, but I think we can all agree Del Piero had a better team throughout his career, and I think his injuries also slowed him down a little bit. Um, and Baggio, to be honest, I didn't watch a lot of Baggio. He was a little bit before I got really into soccer. Um, but just, I know he was like a phenomenal player as well. Um, now I don't know if he was on the same, quite the same level as Totti was. I also think Totti has the world cup under his belt, which is why I ranked him slightly higher. Um, but yeah, that's my three. Wow. Uh, we'll go Chris. Cause I think, I think Chris, uh, said something as well, said that he agreed with Julian's ranking. Yeah, I would actually I agree with Julian's ranking. Um, yeah, a couple of reasons. Obviously, we we know Totti was all three players were brilliant. Don't get me wrong. I, I think Totti was just kind of at that next level for a bit longer. Uh, I do think um, Baggio, He he's the only one to have won a Champions League, right? Or uh, you uh, what was the name of the tournament when Baggio won? Was it uh, UEFA Cup? Yeah, the UEFA Cup. So he's the only one of the three to have won the. You know the elite European tournament, we'll call it that because it's changed names. But uh, yeah, I think Totti well, for having. Well, 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 yeah, Del Piero won as well. Yeah, yeah Del Piero won one. Oh, did he? Okay, I was I was associating. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, but what I was going to say as well is I think for like what Julian said for Totti to have the success he did at Roma uh, when they didn't have you know the same resources that you know a Juve or Milan or an Inter had. Um, you know, speaks volumes to not just his talent, but his loyalty as well, because he easily could have left. And I'm sure we've all read it. He could have gone to, you know, a Madrid or a Barca. I'm sure he could have won many more, you know, league titles and probably played in, you know, uh, a handful of other Champions League semifinals and finals. So I, I would rank it uh, same as Julian Tutti one, uh, Baggio two, uh, Del Piero three. And again, no knock on any one of them, uh, but uh, that's how I would go. My um. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I'm. There's definitely going to be some bias coming out in this, but you know what? I'm actually, I've decided that I'm not gonna. I'm trying to limit that as much as I can. So I'm actually going to have. Although he is my favorite player, I'm also going to have Del Piero at three. I have Totti two and Baggio one though. I think that's where you guys have are putting Totti. I think is a little bit. Um, he. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, he's great. Uh, but you can't... Like, the, when Baggio was Baggio, there was no stopping Baggio. He's the only one on this list to have won a Ballon d'Or. Okay? There's no denying his his skill. Um, and, I mean, if it wasn't for his knees fucking up, like, this guy uh, could have done a lot more than he did. And he did a lot. He almost single-handedly won a World Cup. Uh, whereas the other two obviously won, but again, just because they had such a great team that had underperformed for uh, a decade before. Um, and again, Del Piero is my all-time favorite player, but uh, I think he just, again, a little bit to your points, he gets a little outclassed by Totti because, again, Totti was dragging all of his other teams along with him. Um, but again, I can say that with uh, if Del Piero had, had done what Baggio did, because Baggio obviously had the supporting cast around him too. 
then I probably have him above Totti as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's I have Baggio 1, Totti 2, Dupiro 3. Okay, so <laughs> I'm <Okay>. not... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna allow. Um, sorry, I'm gonna allow my bias to interfere <laughs> on this one. Okay. Um, You're gonna have bad deal three. Yes. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get the, I'll get the ranking out of the way and I'll I'll explain my reasoning. So Piero one, Tutti two, Baggio three. So, uh, Michael, I understand why you put Baggio number one and. Um, and it's also the reasoning that someone who grew up watching World Cup 1990 would also give that same type of reasoning as well. That's fine. That's fine. You grew up watching that. Uh, I'm talking, you know, in that era. You grew up watching Baggio scoring that Maisie run from midfield against Czechoslovakia, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you grew up watching, Juventus fans grew up watching Baggio winning the UEFA Cup when that team was utter shit in, in the early 90s. Um, and, and I completely understand that, but you look at what Del Piero was able to do in terms of with that Juventus team, because remember he, he came in just as Baggio was being pushed out to, I believe Milan, uh, Del Piero won the champions league first time since the eighties. Uh, he won, uh, a hand, like a handful of Syria, uh, tr- uh, trophies. He, he essentially was one of the only players to, have won everything that he possibly could win in Europe and uh, throughout the world. So on that note, that's Del Piero. And also, again, Del Piero is the reason why I started following soccer as well. You know, I see you know, this player who kept scoring fantastic goals, not the Maisie runs that, that bad you would see Bazzi doing, but there are more, um, I guess the way Del Piero put it was Bazzi was uh Raphael and he was, uh, you know, uh, Pinturicio there. Uh, yeah, that's it. Topo Topo Gigio. Gigio? <laughs> Topo. <laughs> um, but, uh, Totti number two, uh, again, uh, for the reasons that you all mentioned, carried Roma, could have left, uh, you know, managed to win uh, a Scudetto with Roma and, and a couple of uh, Copa Ties, um, you know, one of the uh, highest uh, Serie uh, goal scorer uh, in in history, uh, World Cup winner again, and and plus scored as you know scored some one of the nicest goals that we've all ever seen. Badger number three was that his knees, as Michael said, took a beating, uh, missed the uh, you know. <laughs> Penalty shot. I understand uh, before people come tweeting at me that Berezi also missed. Yes, I get it. I get it. Berezi also missed, but he was the last one. And that's the, um, you know, image that we're all ingrained in is him, uh, you know, uh, holding his head in, in disappointment, etc. And just, again, we we all grew up in an area where our players that we look that we looked up to that we thought were the best were Del Piero and Tati. And that's for me, that's the reason why I have Del Piero one, Tati two, Baggio three. Yeah. <laughs> I I just again I don't get me wrong, I understand what you're saying. And I agree with uh again, Del Piero is the reason why I love Juventus as well, right? I just don't think you you mm. can discredit uh Baggio's skill. Um, 
and Totti's, uh, I guess, also skill. But uh, Totti is technically, I mean, well, I mean, that, that's a good point because I, I, I don't even know that I can put, there's like, I can't say that there's a, such a big gap between Totti and Del Piero. Uh, I just think that, again, Totti did everything that he did uh, by himself for most most of the part, I would say. Like, he had, what, what did he have? He had, uh, um, what's... He had he had, had, had Peralta for a couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he had Freddie today, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. Rodrigo. No, Rodrigo. Yeah, yeah, today, sorry, right? Rodrigo. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, Freddie. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, there's... They're they're a lot closer. I just think again, Baggio is uh, the clear number one for me. But I can understand, Paulo, your uh, why you're saying what you're saying. Yeah, I think uh, probably you want to move on to. I think why it's a good question too, though, is because depending on you know which generation mm-hmm. you know you're a part of or when you started really watching Serie A, that's probably going to influence your answer. Obviously, along with you know who do you support, a la Paulo's answer, but. Uh, no, it's a, it was a good question. For sure. And I wonder, uh, again, what people who have seen and who were able to kind of enjoy all three players would say. And that's that's kind of wor- that's exactly. why I think that it's probably mine is the right answer. But uh... <laughs> of course, uh, of course. I, 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 and I already said that, like, it depends. You know, if you grew up, watch, like, like I said, if you grew up in Italy watching the 90 World Cup, of course, you're going to say Roberto Baggio. I mean, he's the one that. Again, score that maze you run uh, from from midfield, uh, nearly a beat Ireland. Was it Ireland in 1990 World Cup? I can't remember now. My my history. I think it was Couldn't beat Ireland. Paul, that was where I was born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or sorry, beat Ireland in the 94 World Cup. Uh, I mean, essentially dragged them through that group stage in 94. But for me, was again the the separating factor between these three players, or two of them, to the one. Is the fact that two of them won a World Cup. Yeah, he he had he had two chances to do it when, in, in theory, uh, Italy was the best teams, one of the best teams in both of those World Cup. Ninety and uh, ninety that they could have beat Argentina if uh, they didn't play in Naples. Uh, ninety four again they lost in, in the penalty shootouts and Arrigo Sacchi played chose two players who were like crippled essentially by the end of the game. Both of them had like destroyed hamstrings <laughs> and, and forced them to shoot. So again, history, you know, plays. Uh, history is wit- written by the winners, and the two players that won for me deserve to be placed ahead in the all-time all-time ranks. Um, again, uh, Michael, as you said, I'm not. It's not knocking the talent of Roberto, of Roberto Baggio. Again, he's the one that inspired the two players that came after him. Okay. In that, in that same but, breath, which though, player had his own well, club send him to India? <laughs> Austra- Australia. Australia. I mean, Australia. <laughs> and it was actually your club who sent Matarazzi to India. So if you want to go down that road, eat that. <laughs> Just like, eat that. So are you uh, putting Matarazzi on the same level as Delpio? Yes. <laughs> also a World Cup winner. <laughs> also, exactly. So is Matarazzi better than Baggio? And a yeah, Champions League winner as well. <laughs> Chris, you want to say something? Yeah, no, I was just gonna say like you're using the um the fact that you know Del Piero and Totti won a World Cup, which what separates them from Baggio, but Baggio won the Ballon d'Or, mm-hmm. and that's an individual award. And in this case, it's uh, an you know, individual. We're, we're talking about 
it's an individual piece. And that's, that's for me, uh, why I rank Tutti a bit higher, just because I think he did more with less. Uh, and again, we can go on and on about that, but I think if you're going to, if you're going to say, you know, they won the world cup and that's why they should be higher. I think you can just as easily argue Bajo won the Ballon d'Or, uh, and, and that's why he should be higher on this list. All right. That's a fair point. I'll concede that point, but then... <laughs> but raise so me. Why? Course, yeah. But raise you is that the only one of the three who won a Champions League was Del Piero. And, and in, that, in that Champions League, he was fundamental as well. I do not concede. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, that's a fair point, but I don't think anybody would have ever picked Roma to win a Champions League. No. Oh, but... In my manager, in, in my manager, I, 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 have. <laughs> I mean, listen, we could talk about this with Ibarbo and Chow leading the line. <laughs> <laughs> so we can talk about this all day or all night. Like, I mean, I can go on for for a week about this because uh, I've had this conversation so many times that I already had my like. I didn't even make any notes. I already had my list in, ingrained in my head from years of of debating this. Um, okay, so let's let's move on, you know, for the sake of, of time as well. Uh, before we move on to another break, I just want to uh, mention, uh, like I, like I said, last week's winner was uh, Skorupski. So this week's candidates for you can't do that, Michael. Oh, yeah, you'll have to cue that up again. I'm. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Michael gets that queued up. Uh... <laughs> So while Michael gets that queued up, the uh, this week's candidates are Merit Cherkin for the horrendous giveaway on the Shoma Rudolph goal against uh, in the game of Genoa Hellas Verona, uh, Lasagna as well in that game as well. He missed a complete sitter being in on goal by himself. Uh, and then our third candidate for this week was Aaron Hickey for that horrendous red card. Even though two coaches think it wasn't a red card, we do, and it was terrible. Michael. I'll have none of your guts. You can't do that. There you go. <laughs> that was uneventful, Paul. That was not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> On that hilarious note, uh, we'll be right back. And welcome back to Red to This Way. Um, so before we get into our Europe review and preview, uh, we want to have some of our own fun um, this week. Uh, so let's get into our own uh, Who Am I? I Don't Know. Who am I? I don't know. Who am I? I don't know. Chris, take it away. A little bit. Uh, All right, so yeah, hopefully I, I can stifle you guys a bit more. I think last week uh, was a layup uh, for you guys, was it not? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this week uh, I'm just giving you one hint. No, I'm kidding. You're going to get three hints. <laughs> You're going to get uh, – you'll get three hints. Um, so I'll jump right into it. So hint number one. 
This Italian has played for three different Serie A clubs and also played two seasons in Serie B. Okay. Hint number two. At the Serie A level, this player has never scored more than seven goals in a season. Hint number three. This player has over 100 caps with two different Serie A clubs and only 15 caps with the Italian national team. All right, so I'll review. Going back to hint number one, this Italian has played for three different Serie A clubs, including two seasons in Serie B. At the Serie A level, this player has never scored more than seven goals in a season. Hint number three, this player has over 100 caps with two different mm. Serie A clubs. So we know and only 15 uh, caps that with it, the it Italian be an national Milan team. player because they might start the MB, right? Exactly. <laughs> hmm. Paulo, what do you think? <laughs> and again, don't hold on. Don't forget that we can ask a question of our own, or we can uh, have Chris's secret question or secret hint, which, which again. Perhaps uh, for your bonus question, yeah. or bonus hint, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Okay, so exactly, fifteen caps. Couldn't have said it better myself. Mister Yacht Club. Yeah, so he's played with three different Serie clubs, and he has also played two seasons in Serie B. He has never scored more than seven goals uh, in a Serie A campaign. And he has over 100 caps with like, two different the Serie A clubs and only 15 with the Italian okay, national so team. It cannot... hmm. what, are your, what are your initial thoughts? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm trying thoughts. to think. Just throw like, names out there. And before I'm not the whole Ita- like the national team 15 caps, like I was thinking Immobile or something, but he also, and you said something like he scored only seven goals, is that yeah. what you said? Yeah. Yes. In a, se- okay. in a season. More than- and we already know that's not Destro because Destro He's never scored, scored more than seven goals in a, se- <laughs> yeah. in a Serie A season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it could be a midfielder. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, down to midfielder. Who's played multiple? So, <sighs> hmm. so, okay, what, guys, do we have another hint that we want to ask Chris? Or do we do we want to give him to give us his sometimes maybe good? I I think if I'm being honest, I think this is a a decent. That's hint. Some, that's it, something. It's not the best that's, hint. That's the best bonus hint, hint and, but it, it's definitely not a a shit hint. So I I okay, will so, be. But but we're all in agreement that it's a good <laughs> so we don't have to ask that question, correct? So I, I think. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah. I'll leave it up to you guys. Okay. So then might as well take the hint. Yeah, I think we need the hint. All right. Okay, so the bonus hint. This player was on the 30-man roster initially named by Antonio Conte for the 2016 Euros. This player was on the 30-man roster Initially named by Antonio Conte for the 2016 okay. Euros. Thiago Mota because he played. No, he only team. played for. I don't think he had 100 appearances for Inter. He, so he has 100. That's right. There's 100 for two different. Yeah. 
it's a current player, correct? Uh, we can't. Correct. Can't. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll answer that. I'll, I'll, if ever I'm, I'm doing a, okay. a retired player, I'll tell you, or a, um, an so icon. So a current Serie player, oh, fuck. We, you know what? Maybe we should take a break and then talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I, I'm about to throw in the towel. I can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't narrow it down even further. I'm really trying to think here, but I... Have no Are idea. You? Paulo stumped Mike Julian. Yes. Okay, it's a midfielder. It is a midfielder. I know you guys are discussing again, that. Again, I, I think I can what's going to get us there, there is who has played only 15 mind. caps for Italy. Yeah, yeah. He's got to be older. I'm thinking he's older. I'm thinking. Okay, a hundred caps. Is I th- that, I'm uh, thinking are you guys waving the white flag? flag? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I hope he doesn't have 15 caps for Italy. Jesus. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm my my final. It's embarrassing. Yeah, bottom of two. Um, that's my. Guess. All right. Well, I'm gonna unless you go, take a stab at it if you want. Yeah. I like that one. That's a, that's a good one. Okay, Paulo. Um, fuck, Julian. This is a difficult one. I'm trying to run through names yeah. in my head. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go with Dark Horse here. Let's go No Torino. Oh, yeah, but he's retired though. Is he? Yeah. Is he's he? Not, he's a, he doesn't play in Syria. Well, no, no, he's, I think he's retired. Oh, I thought he was still playing. I like, I didn't think he was still in. Central yeah, Island. he did. I yeah. thought he was maybe still kicking it. Okay. Uh, Michael, oh, right. he went to MLS. <laughs> Damn it. For for briefly, anyways, yeah. What? Yeah. Um, wow. All right. So obviously, it's not Nocerino. Um Yeah, because you played Michael. Barcelona. You are correct. Yeah. Jack Bonaventura. <laughs> so he has over a hundred caps with Atalanta and Milan, and then Conte's initial roster. Yeah, and he only has fifteen well, caps. Yes. Good I know, but when you said it, I'm like, I'm like, that sounds. Yeah, he did. That sounds reasonable. That sounds plausible. <laughs> yeah, good call. Yeah. Hmm. Well done. Well done. So yeah, that's uh, that's it for you guys. And then again, everyone, before I think it was before our first break, we listed uh, our other "Who Am I?" I don't know. So again, um, feel free to rewind and. Go we'll have a listen and wow. so and if you that, know who it is, let um, us know and you can ahead, no, ahead, ask us that no, no, question for jack, the next episode. Happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's actually not having a bad season with Fiorentina. I think he's one of been one of one of the better players at Fiorentina <laughs> so far this season. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. So on that note, uh, let's move on to agree with that. Um, our Europe review and preview. Uh, okay, let's start with um, the lone Champions League game for Italian uh, an Italian squad uh, last week and that was Juventus at Porto um, anyway I'll, I'll start it off because I, I again remember uh, Michael uh, you hosted last week and uh, you asked me you know what was wrong like and I said I had a bad feeling and um, I was proven right again 
And I said, <laughs> oh, well, of course I had to. Like I said, you started. I won. I said, Puppet his own why tires. are you starting uh, Bentancur and Rabio <laughs> in two straight games? Why are you starting Chiellini in two straight games? Look what happened. Bentancur shut the bed with the uh, with the first, literally one of the first passes of the game, gifted Porto uh, a cheap a cheap goal. Listen, that was a very nice assist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Killini, what? Killini came off. It was an amazing uh, assist. Pulled what? Yeah. Pulled, a, pulled a spy again after what? Twenty five minutes, something like that. He came off early. Yeah, and then uh, it just, it, there, didn't, yeah. it didn't make any sense. And it looked like they came out flat footed as well. Like, of course, you can see the conceded in the first two minutes of the game, but like, it's it, it just like that. They thought it was going to be a cakewalk. And Michael, again, you mentioned last week that Juventus played down. To whoever, to whoever their uh, their opponent is in Champions League, they'll play up. It doesn't matter. It depends who they get drawn against. But usually, when they get when they get drawn uh, against a club who is not in the top uh, top five leagues, they usually struggle and they usually have to come back uh, in the second leg. I know they did that against Tottenham as well. Tottenham wouldn't probably is not considered, even though they went into the final uh, a few years ago. But I don't consider Tottenham one of England's best clubs. Um, Lyon last year is another good example. Um, they lost to a Lyon, a Lyon side that you know could have been easily beaten if it wasn't for uh, some some tactical um, you know stubbornness from from Sarri. But again, like that's the reason why I was um, I was worried, and my my worries were proven right. I'll open up to the floor. Um, I'll, I guess I'll start here uh, again. It's not, uh, it's not a surprise that that's like, this is the result. Um, I think the only surprising part is that they ended up getting that goal at the end because, um, at least that means that they're not out of it. It's, it's just classic UV, right? They, they kind of leave the door open for themselves. Um, and yeah, I mean, we saw it again last year with the Lyon game. They kind of had, all to kind of play for. So we'll see if that's the case again, right? Like, I, I think they're they're trying very desperately to get uh, Dybala back for this next game. And I think that could be big for them because if he's if he is healed and he's ready to go, then that he could actually be a difference maker in a squad that didn't really have a lot of ideas this game. Uh, so, Michael, you mentioned uh, the goal. I thought, um, you know, Keyes actually played well, was the only player that played well in the first 80 minutes, and then it was rewarded with that goal uh, in the 82nd minute. So, I mean, I think, I think Keza, I think I, I kept saying this, I've been saying this for the past uh, you know, four or five weeks, that Keza has been Juventus' most consistent performer all season. And you know what's funny, though, that uh, everyone, including uh, members of this podcast, <clears throat> Milan fans, uh, well, Milan as in the city, not just uh, Chris, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're kind of shitting on uh, Chiesa, right? And I mean, again, not without uh, fair criticism in terms of, you know, he <laughs> he sometimes may be good, sometimes may be shit. He's just, it just turns out that what he needed was, again, a better team around him. And he's he's found quality in the in the starts that he's had with, with Juve he's been able to show why he was worth the money he was worth. It's, it's turned out to be not such a shitty deal uh, because people thought, yeah. you know, a lot of people thought that it was overpayment. 
Uh, a lot of people thought that he was going to just kind of, you know, be a plug and uh, he ends up being, you know, again, one of their best, uh, one of their best forwards. Uh, so Chris, before I pass it off to you, um, I just want to mention that uh, we should give credit to Porto who, you know, came out, um, you know, guns a blazing and pressured Juventus high, which uh, forced that mistake from Benjamin Cor. Yeah, they did. And my guess is, you know, they, they probably had a game plan set in place uh, on how to attack Juve if Bentancur were starting because they're probably going to be familiar with, you know, where he likes to pick up the ball and how he picks up the ball. And they exploited that. I do place a bit of the blame on uh, Chesney. Uh, but yeah, no, credit to them for exploiting that. And, you know, Bentancur got harassed all game. And I think that's, you know, the the template for any other team that's playing Juve this year and Bentancur starting because he, he obviously can't handle that pressure and his decision making is shit. So uh, if he starts again in the second <laughs> leg, I hope he does because Juve merda, but that's but how they'll you know go. What, though? What <laughs> that's how they'll go and happen, that. Because now that you said that, is that he's going to come out and he's going to have a good game because this is literally what happens every fifth game he plays. He'll have a very shitty game yeah. and the next game he'll go in and be like, okay, yeah, you know what? He's not that bad. Uh, and he'll make up. He'll completely redeem himself. But then again, then he's going to have four more games of just mediocrity. But uh, exactly, now that you said that, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, George, your thoughts? Um, I mean, Juventus obviously needs to expect more. They need they need to get out of this round. And to be honest, I still think they will. I think Akia's goal kind of saves them. They realistically just need a one nothing win and they're golden um so i think they'll be okay but yeah that's i mean that's not how you want to kind of start your champions league knockout phase right with a first minute goal against and then you go into halftime and think okay let's regroup let's get this going and then 46 minute goal against like yeah come on you need to yeah exactly you need to kind of get focused right off the bat first five last five um I like how you mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, that goal saved him. And there also should have been a penalty shot at the end of the game. Like, one of the last kicks of the game, actually. Yeah, and um, of, of course, Chris, again, will probably deny this. But <laughs> it's, again, it's it, whether or not he's falling is a, a different question. I think it's, it's clear, again, there, there's a little bit of contact there, too, enough to say that that is a foul. I just think it's just hard for me to to call the foul when a player is is already going to ground. Now, whether he's embellishes or not, like that, that's a different conversation. But I, I just find it hard to uh, argue in favor of a player <laughs> who's already falling, um, and then the contact comes in, and then obviously he he flops. Um, so, was there contact? Yes, but again, I mm-hmm. have to take into context like what was he doing before, you know, that contact came in. So, um, yeah, because the defender, you know, does kind of run through him per se. He obviously wasn't expecting that cut back from, from Ronaldo, which was, which was quite nice, but he was slipping. So I, I and, I, and I don't know how the rule book reads in that situation. I'm going to assume it reads that him already falling. Well, wait, wait that reminds calling me of that a, a pen, but I, against, I don't know for uh, certain. <laughs> uh, against Sam I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Anyway, oh no, score! No, it was Torino. It was Torino. 
Hang on, I can't remember. No. no. They, they've there, there, there was one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the correct answer was which one? <laughs> <laughs> no, but what, 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 what really annoyed me is that instead of going to look at bar to kind of put it to rest, no, the ref just called the game. And on that, that, okay, yeah, yeah, Chris. As a blind you, you had I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. You, but, you hey, had your turn to talk. Now it's my turn. Well, yes. <laughs> Paula, before before you get into it, I just want to say that in, this is always <laughs> going to be the case, and that's why I stuck to my guns when Inter was losing and, and shit the bed a lot. These fans, Paula, will never do what you did in terms of, you know, last year you were saying, you know what, I hope Inter do win because that would be blah, 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 coefficient, blah, blah, blah. These guys are just so, uh, you know, just – because we watched Juve cheat year after year after year oh after year God. in Serie A. Cheat in what way? Yeah. In what way? You guys you don't know deny... until you're not a Juve fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, it's one of those. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, they they okay, they they don't understand. Like we okay, so we had to suffer through five years of interwinning. Because they like anyway. Okay, hold on. I, okay, stop. Because they were the best <laughs> team in the league. I, I'm gonna stop myself. Forget it. I'm stopping it. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the ref should, at least should have went to go look at VAR. To be honest, I didn't watch the game. I haven't seen it, so I don't really have an opinion on it. That's fine. But the thing is that uh, if if he's like because the ref was saying, oh, like uh, the VAR is talking to me. Go and look at it. If you go look at it, if you if the ref himself says, "Okay, no problem, uh, uh, time is up," call the game. But don't just don't just let the let the play uh, go on, and then all of a sudden, um, uh, right before, right after the final whistle goes, uh, he was in my ear, and, I, and then and then say, "Oh, the game is done." No, that 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 literally makes no sense to me whatsoever. But anyway, that's uh, that's my opinion on on what happened. Chris, I want to hear the opposite opinion, and then we'll move on. I mean, the only thing I would add, and again, I think we've talked about this before when we discussed, you know, VAR controversies is, and again, I don't know what the rule is or how it gets applied here with regards to, you know, Ronaldo already falling before the contact, but I'm sure there's a certain, you know, rule or, or law law of the game that addresses that and so if if the guys in the var booth look at it and they can determine it's okay this you know meets this law or this rule then there there is no reason for the ref to go and look at it i'm assuming it's it's black and white for them according to their to the laws of the game and so what why send him over when there is nothing for him to call um if it is if there is a gray area or if there's something that's uh, that can be um, argued one way or another, then yeah, you would want the ref to go over. So again, without knowing what's actually being said to him, I, I don't know if we can say, you know, he has to go over. Yeah, that's all. The, the laws of the game might say that there's nothing. No, there. I was going to say, that's the Just, thing with VAR, I, and, right? I, and again, I know. rule it a clear Sorry, and obvious error on the ref's part for them to review it. So maybe they just didn't see it as that. Again, I didn't see the actual play, but I'm just saying that's the rules for VAR. Okay, so on that note, uh, Juventus are still in it. Uh, as uh, one of you said, uh, all they need is a one nothing win uh, to uh, to move on because of the Keza away goal. All right, so let's move into the review of the Europa League first legs. 
We'll start with the Milan fan, just because he's our favorite target uh, this week, uh, who tied Red Star 2-2. <laughs> yeah, as Paul said, it was it was 2-2. A heavily rotated squad. Um, no Ibra, no Chalanoglu in the starting 11. Uh, Tomori did start. Uh, anyways, I, I won't go through the entire starting 11, but Milan had the you know the majority of the chances in the first you know thirty thirty five minutes. They were you know rewarded, we'll call it, with a, an own goal in the forty second uh, to make it one nil. Uh, they did make it two uh, one uh, through a Teo Hernandez PK in the sixty first, and they just kind of switched off. You know, last play of the game essentially ninety third. Uh, Red Star ties it to make it two two, which which was unfortunate because going home with a two one lead would have been nice. But uh, that being said, two away goals, um, Pioli, and I don't blame him. There was a heavily rotated squad because he was trying to save guys for, for, the, for the derby against Inter on the weekend. I think this, uh, for the second leg, he essentially just play, play your best 11, go out, take care of business at home, and move on to the round of, uh, of 16. So, um, yes, the, the result is disappointing, and it's frustrating because they, they didn't play well at times. But you look at the bigger picture, rotated squad, um, you know, a bit unlucky with with not finishing some of their chances. I, I'm not worried going into the second leg. So, um, so b- bigger the, fish to fry, I guess. If you're fan, uh, neglected to say is that Red Star was <laughs> for about ten men. Yeah, for 13 minutes. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. And you're right. Yeah, they did. They did tie it up with ten men. And I, I, but I did address that Milan switched off. And that's kind of what I was alluding to. Is that. Um, you know, you just got to stay locked in, stay focused until that last whistle goes. Milan kind of put it in cruise control once they got that red being up a man. So, and, and at the same time, you know, credit to Red Star. They are obviously determined to go out and, and make something happen, and they did. And that's given them a chance in this second leg. I think if it's 2-1 with two away goals, going back to Milan, there's no chance that they, well, okay, they well, come out of this tie. But, you, you pretty much yeah. covered uh, our preview for, for the second leg. Uh, so, there's no choice but for Pioli to play the best 11 to, to go out and, and try to put this tie to bed, correct? Yeah, and I talked about this when we were reviewing the Milan Inter game, but I think this is the time where play Kyer and Tomori. Uh, at, at some point, you have to make some sort of change, like I said, whether it's tactical or just with personnel. And I think Tomori has played well in his two or three appearances so far, and this is another opportunity for okay, him so to let's, showcase um, himself. With that being said, let's move on to Granada uh, versus uh, Napoli. Um, so anyway, it, it, this was, again, we we touched on Napoli's injury crisis uh, in our Serie A review, and it was actually exacerbated uh, in this game versus Granada. Uh, I believe it was Patania who uh, went out injured, uh, which left again left Napoli with 12 first team players and then as you mentioned in, in our Serie A review uh Ozyman, uh got injured as well um anyway Napoli conceded uh two goals uh against Granada uh, uh, uh two home goals I should say as well so they're still not out of it they need uh, essentially a small miracle uh at the San Paolo uh on Thursday to to essentially move ahead and move on in this tournament. Uh, Gattuso said that it was a 
falsified result. Uh, the performance did not merit uh, them losing two nothing. I believe it was on early on in the first half. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Correct. Yes. The two goals. There you go. Yeah, both so goals. Was, they uh, were uh, like know, three moments apart. of um, you yeah. know lack of concentration from Napoli, which again has been their season. Uh, has been the ex- good call. There you go, perfect, Michael. Um, so with with that, um, essentially, just just to review uh, the preview of their second leg, it will take a small miracle for uh, Napoli to come back and win this tie. Um, so let's move on to uh, Braga versus Roma. Uh, Roma came out 2-0 win- uh, winners uh, in Portugal. An early goal from Zeko and a late goal from YRL. Uh, so perfect perfect start for Roma in this tie. Uh, two-way goals and uh, the only Italian team to win so far uh, so far in this second round of, uh, of play. Until, again, we'll get into the uh, CL and uh, preview next. But uh, comments on Roma. Uh, for, I'll start it off. Uh, we were, I was saying for the, over the past few weeks that Fonseca has to do well in this tournament to kind of prove that he should stay at Roma. And so far, this is a perfect start for him. Yeah, I'll, I'll go quickly. Um it wasn't a rotated squad, which I thought he uh, Fonseca was going to do because he he had sent, he had essentially rotated the squad for every Europa League game. So I guess that kind of shows the respect he had for Braga going out and playing the lineup he did. Uh, I don't I wouldn't say it was Roma's best eleven, but pretty close to it. And you know it paid off getting that two yes. two nothing result, and those are two away goals, right? Yeah, so two away goals coming home. That's uh, a comfortable lead no doubt. So it gives Fonseca the option to rotate the squad a little bit in hopes that he can play a stronger yeah, that was, 11 that was my next uh, point. on the weekend so, in Serie A. Uh, you, you would think that he would rotate the squad with a two-way two, two, two goal lead uh, with the fact that Milan is up next in Serie A. Yeah, r- rotate it to a certain extent. I mean, you can't go and play your you know, players 12 through through 23, whatever the case is, you do still have to put out some, you know, a respectable lineup because, you know, Braga is not a pushover, but uh, a 2-0 lead with two away goals is right, definitely so, uh, nice to have. My next question for um, everyone is, at this point, uh, we'll see later on this week, is Roma, let's say, the most favored Italian team in this um, We'll start with Julian this time. That's a good question. No, I'd say. I still think Milan are slightly... They're the better team overall. Um, I think Napoli, with their injury woes right now... If Napoli had a full squad, I think they'd be the number one team for Italian teams. Um, But with their current injury worries, I don't think we can kind of put them there. Um, But comparing Roma and Milan... I know Milan's kind of in a downturn of form right now. I still think they have the better squad overall, though. Michael? Yes. I'd, Would you like to elaborate on that? Uh, I just think, again, there's a lot of factors going into um, some of these other uh, some of these other teams. I think that Fonseca is going to w- want to 
uh, prove himself a little bit more, just, again, considering the season they're having in the league. Um, and I think just there's consist- consistency troubles with other teams, so I'm going to say yes for Roma. Okay. Chris? I think Napoli's the most dangerous. So if they can pull off, like you said, this small miracle and get out of this round, I can see them, or I would hope anyways, that they can kind of rally around this tournament and and push on and do some damage. But realistically, they just don't have it in them right now to beat uh, Granada by, you know, three goals or more in this, um, in that second leg. So Roma's probably the favorite right now. Um, I think Milan will obviously be occupied with trying to keep pace with Inter, and that will, you know, force Pioli to play Follow a bit of the Europa League matches. I, okay, well, based on the scores right now, uh, you know, I say Roma is obviously favored to move on uh, into the round of 16 uh, because this is currently the round of 32. Um, again, I feel bad for Napoli, uh, as I mentioned uh, early on uh, this episode. I mean, if they had Mertens healthy, I think uh, the season would be so much different for, for Napoli right now. Uh, they wouldn't be, you know, struggling uh, for, for points. Uh, Gattuso wouldn't be on the hot seat. And I think um, Napoli would be comfortably beating Granada right now. But anyway, that's not the case. Um, so I think Milan, if they do get a favorable draw, um I kind of agree with, with Julian as well that uh, they could go further in as well. Uh, but I do agree with Michael more because I think Fonseca has something to prove about staying at Roma, as I mentioned earlier. All right, so uh, with that, uh, we conclude our Europa review preview. Uh, excuse me, Europa League review preview. And let's move on to uh, this week's Champions League first leg, uh, a game that I'm actually looking forward to. Um, because, Michael, you mentioned uh, Inter and how I wanted Inter to win uh, last season. I'm not sure if this is the case <laughs> with Lazio. Paulo, I don't uh, think any of us are surprised with that. I have... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, just again, I have, um, again, just a lot of Lazio fans make me laugh. I mean, <laughs> I understand, I understand, uh, Byron lost against Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, because of the extra games that they played, um, in, uh, in Qatar because of the FIFA Club World Cup. I know they struggled against Armenia Bielefeld as well. Uh, but the thing is, is that, uh, uh, just again, there was a lot of talk about how, oh, well, uh, sometimes uh, fa- uh, opposing fans say that Serie A form doesn't translate well into uh, into Champions League. But you're going up against Bayern Munich, who are coming off against two garbage performances, and it will have something to prove. And then you're saying that Lazio should be favorites against Bayern Munich, the current Champions League uh, holders and Club World Cup winners? Is this like, am I missing something? Like, what, are we living in crazy land? But Chris, let's start with Chris first. <laughs> well, I am not living in crazy land, but uh, I, 
I don't think you can say Lazio are the favorites, but you know, when this draw initially came through, you would have said off like joke for Bayern. Bayern's going through, you know, Lazio just, you know, show up for those two legs and give Bayern a good run. But I think given Lazio's current form and, you know, you mentioned Paulo, the Eintracht Frankfurt game and the Armenia Bielefeld game. I watched both of those games. Cause as, as we've mentioned, you know, I, I watch you know, quite a bit of Bundesliga when I'm not watching Serie A and, Bayern did not look good in those games. And yes, I get, I understand the Club World Cup was mixed in there. And I think Thomas Mueller's out injured or COVID, whatever the case is. But um, they didn't look like the team that was essentially unstoppable, uh, you know, from April and on last year, where it just it didn't matter who they were playing, they were going to run through them. So I, again, I don't think Lazio are the favorites, but. Lazio being at home, Bayern not being in form. Uh, if this game ends, you know, one one or two two, okay, I won't so, be surprised. Um, I'll put it that way. To, 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 to that point, if it's if it ends two two, then Bayern are the favorites going home because playing in Germany is even though there's no fans, it's it's a totally different beast. Uh, I mean, Bayern are more comfortable uh, uh, playing in their home stadium. I know. Uh, they struggled at home against Armenia Bielefeld because of the snow, but as soon as the snow melted. Uh, they came back and scored three goals in the second half. Was it, or was it four goals? I can't remember now. Yeah, I don't remember. But And you're right. Yeah, once they cleared the snow, the game changed. But uh, regardless, I think Lazio have an opportunity to take a point. Uh, you know, there's, maybe there's no points here. There's a gag their way in this game. Um, no, I understand that. I'm just saying for it to be competitive because when the draw was made, I don't think anybody would have given Lazio a chance to have a sniff in the first leg or the second leg. They would have been predicting, you know, 2 nil or 3-1 losses in both legs. Whereas if, like I said, I don't think it's uh, out of the... Uh, it, it would be crazy for, for Lazio to come away with a draw. So, and, and again, I understand too that a draw in, in this leg bodes well for Bayern in the second leg, but... Again, given where both of these clubs were when the draw happened, uh, okay, I think we'll give Michael a chance, a and then and then Julian, then I'll 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 wrap okay, it up. Yeah, because we're uh, we're running low on time here, but I just want to say this is uh, Lazio fans to uh, Paulo. Be like I'm a clown, I amuse you, <laughs> I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> Joe, Joe Pesh. Yeah, Chris, great points uh, by Chris, of course. Again, this I love going after Chris because he, uh, he, he, again, does every, does all my job and then some. Um, but, yeah, I think what Lazio will need to do is just make it snow. Um, Julian? I mean, I on it. wouldn't... I don't know. I wouldn't count Lazio out. I think their starting 11 is strong enough. Obviously, depends kind of how tired they are. Um, and I mean, they're the underdogs. They've got nothing to lose. Nobody's expecting anything out of them, which to me works in their favor. Okay, so okay, you mentioned you know how tired they are. Okay, they got almost bullied by a Sam Dory. Hey, but they got the result. Uh, you guys all shit on. Um, yeah, sure. They got the result, but again, uh, Chris mentioned Lotito. I mean, that should have been a penalty, and I don't care what anyone says. That was a penalty. I, I like. I mean, there's no 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 debate about that. They got the result. You're right about that. But again, it, the the performance wasn't there. 
And you need to be on your A game, even against a Byron that is not firing at, uh, on all cylinders. Uh, and then I guarantee you, if the result doesn't go their way, we're going to have Simone Zaghi in the post-match conference saying, oh, well, you know, uh, it's hard to play every three games, uh, you know, make up some sort of bullshit excuse that we all have heard before. Uh, and then we, and then it will say, "Spiazzi per i ragazzi." Anyway, th- this is I, I, I see it envisioning. Uh, I, I may be wrong. I may be wrong. Lazio has has um, has fooled me before, and I've I've admitted when I've wrong. Like for example, I admit that I was wrong in the Borussia Dortmund game. Okay, I'll I, I, I I'll I'll say it again. I was wrong, but I cannot I cannot see it happening twice. Paulo, I really wrong. hope they win. Just because your reaction, we need like a reaction pod just for you. <laughs> All right. So after Lazio uh, Wednesday, there is Atlanta versus Real Madrid. Um, Chris, you were saying that uh, the bookies have Atlanta favored. They do, which was I. I had to go and check on a couple of different sites before I believe the first one I saw because it's. I still don't really believe it, but I think it's it's. It's amazing, and, and you know, kudos to Atalanta to, to look at how far they've come. Um, again, reminder: Atalanta's budget um, is that of a mid-table, you know, championship side in England. So for them to be favorites against, you know, the Galacticos, uh, I know they're not really the Galacticos right now, but that's what you know historically referred to as, uh, is you know, a credit to not just Gasparini, but you know, the whole club. So. I, I feel like all four of us are, are going to be rooting for an Atalanta, you know, win in this one. But I think as long as they can keep it close and get themselves a fighting chance going into that second leg, then they have an opportunity because we know Gasparini tactically is very flexible and Atalanta are capable of pu- pulling games, you know, out of their out of their cool low when they have to. So um, it'll be a fun game to watch. Yeah, uh, uh, Michael, I want to get Julian first because he hates Gasparini, so I just want to get him to respond <laughs> to, what, uh, to what Chris said. I mean, as much as I dislike Gasparini, I think I hate Real Madrid more, so I'll be cheering for Atalanta in this one. I kind of like the underdog story, but nobody likes Real Madrid, so fuck them. That's, That's a good point. <laughs> Michael? Uh, Julian's just saying that because uh, they kicked him out of the Champions League this year. I saw that one coming <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Um, no, I'm excited about this. I think uh, it's going to be, it, hopefully, again, this is a game where, you know, we saw uh, Atlanta make some really, uh, some really impressive, uh, take some, rather, take some really impressive strides in their, uh, their season last year when they played PSG. They almost knocked out PSG, made it obviously to the final. Um, yeah, but they don't have Papu anymore. They don't have Papu. That's right. True, Paju, you're right. But I think it's uh, it's going to be quite interesting to see if they can again just muster up some some form in Europe and just continue their their uh, you know it's it's not dominance, but it's it's definitely they're taking their opportunities, and I'd like to see them take this opportunity as well, just to kind of you know show showcase how uh, having Having a offensive-minded uh, team dynamic uh, in Serie A, or in Italian soccer rather, I guess specifically, uh, can be uh, can be successful in Europe. And I think that's what's been lacking in Europe from Italian Italian sides up until now. That's a very good point, Michael. Um, 
also, you know, just thinking about it, it, for me, it's an added benefit now that they don't have Papu Gomez there as a distraction. That's just my opinion. Uh, I think they're more concentrated on um, their play instead of uh, team dynamics or I should say team uh, morale as well. And now that um, they seem to have recovered from the so-called Papu curse from, you know, five weeks ago. <laughs> uh, hey, he's hurting and, the team. Yeah, but it doesn't matter now. Like now it's, it, now it's an actual team instead of just, you know, one person. Uh, and I think that will come to, um, to Atlanta's benefit, in my opinion. Um, they're going up against uh, a Real Madrid side, the weakest probably since Del Piero uh, scored two goals against them in, in ten, you know, 12 years ago. And it was 2008, I think it was. Um, so, I mean, this is, like I said, this is probably the, the Real Madrid team, uh, the Real Madrid team there for the taking. And I do hope we do see um, an underdog story. And I do hope Atlanta do get the chance to face off against uh, PSG and, and get their revenge. Because uh, as a friend of the show, uh, Giancarlo, pointed out to me, PSG are in third in their own league as well. So perhaps Atlanta have been playing the best um, calcio in Europe, in my opinion. Chris? Yeah, I mean, certainly attractive stuff. They've, as we've seen in Serie A, when, um, was it Palomino that missed a couple games? Or Romero? Romero. Either way. Yeah, when Romero missed a game or two, like, Atalanta looked, like, very shaky at the back. They were conceding not just a a lot of goals, but weak goals. Goals that Mm -hmm. you you can't let in against, you know, quality clubs. And that's obviously, I mean, yes, this is the weakest Madrid side that we're coming up against. But there is still a lot of talent there. So, I think the only worry for Atalanta is there isn't a ton of depth there. So, if they do run into injury trouble, they may see a dip in results. But... For the majority of the squad, it looks like they're healthy right now and available for Gasparini. So, yeah, uh, Forza Atalanta on for this one. That's it. Michael, you want to jump in? Uh, no, that's uh, that's that's fine. I think, uh, again, that's, Chris kind of just steamrolled all of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's anyway, nothing else sad. This, this is this is a game that I'm I'm looking forward to because um, it's actually a team that who ha- a team that captured all of Europe last season uh, against a Simone Inzaghi squad who most likely will find some sort of excuse like I said uh, during our Lazio preview. Um, so with that, uh, that is um, the end of our Europe review preview. Um, quickly, a Serie B minutes. Um, there are some important results uh, in Serie B. Frosinone tied Pescara for their first point in weeks. Um, for Pescara, that is. <laughs> uh, Vincenza tied Spal 2 2. Kievo lost 1 0 to Monza. And uh, everyone's favorite uh, player, Mario Balotelli, scored a long goal for Monza. <laughs> Pisa tied Empoli 1 1, uh, and Lecce beat Cosenza 3 1. Uh, so, quickly, I'll do the top eight and the bottom five or six, that is. Uh, Empoli still has a three point lead over Monza with 45 points. So, Monza second with 42. 
Venezia 41, Salernitana 41, Cittadella 39, Chievo 39, Spal 38, excuse me, Lecce 38, Spal 37, Brescia, Brescia 26, Cremonese 26, Cosenza 23, Ascoli 21, Pescara 18, and Tella 17. Uh, key games for week 25 coming up uh, this weekend. Empoli Venezia, Cremonese Frosinone, Pescara Lecce, Monza Cittadella, and Tella Brescia. Uh, actually, this could be the week where Monza may tie first place because uh, Venezia are uh, third place in the standings and it will be an interesting game. So that's our uh, Serie B minute. I'll open up to the floor to any last comments before we wrap up. Uh, we'll go Michael first since you can't use Chris as example. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think uh, this week is, is like speaks for itself. Again, I, I think the Atlanta game is going to be my highlight this week. Um, I'm just happy again as uh, whenever this kind of part this part of the season rolls around where European soccer's back. I'm I'm always happy, so I'm excited for that. Julian? Um, no, let's go with a nice Forza Inter. <laughs> <laughs> and resident Milan fan Chris. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna piggyback off Mike. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's obviously a busy week with uh, with European matchups coming up, so lots to watch, which will be fun. So what I'm looking forward to, as I said before, uh, Atalanta, Real Madrid, and I'm looking for a small miracle from Napoli to come back and win. We'll, uh, we'll see if that happens. Most likely not. Um, and with that, that's the end of our episode for this week. Um, please follow us on Twitter at Retta This Way and on Instagram at RTW Calcio. And we'll be back uh, the same time next week.